Welcome to the Arts Report for May 1st, 2013. I'm your host for tonight, Sarah Lapsley. Over the next hour, we'll be talking to Cranfield and Slade of the Music Appreciation Society, letting you know what's coming up at the Doxa Documentary Film Festival, reviewing Safar, a voyage at the uh, Museum of Anthropology, and speaking with Tom Wright of Vancouver Opera about the upcoming production of Tea, A Mirror of the Soul. Then stay tuned for the Arts Project coming up at 6. 
Happy May Day, everyone. Thanks for tuning into CITR 101.9 FM. So I'm really thrilled to announce that I'm coming on as a regular co-host every other week um, from now on. And um, CITR is committed to excellent arts programming. It's a big job. So Megan and I are sort of sharing the duties from now on so we can cover a broader variety of events. Um, There's actually, as I've recently discovered, a lot of arts events going on in Vancouver. I don't often go out, but lately um, I've been seeing a lot of stuff and it's been really fun. So we can only cover a fraction of the things that happen, but we always need volunteers to do reviews. So if you're interested in learning about broadcasting, drop by the station. You can become a member. It costs about $20 a year and then start doing the training. And everyone around here is so nice and helpful you can learn how to work the equipment um, and then participate in our show or other shows. There's always things to do around here and a great bunch of people. And so it's nice. Um, Megan and I have slightly different interests. Obviously, there's a lot of overlap, but she seems to like avant-garde or modern edgy things or comedy. I tend to like like classical things, visual arts, um, and anything with a psychological or humanitarian bent. I'll kind of go for so yeah it's she's been a wonderful mentor and thank you so much for asking me to come on um it's really exciting so I guess we can just get into it I'm still recovering from the wonderfulness of seeing the magic flute at the Vancouver Opera that was a while ago now but I'm looking forward May 4th to seeing their new production Tea A Mirror of Soul um, and it's by written by the composer Tan Dunn, and he was an Academy Award-winning composer for that movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, the, he was born in 1957 in a small village in China, and he was fascinated as a child by the rituals of the local shaman and the music that they used, which employed sort of organic sounds of water and stone. And so his early interest in this led him um, to be a composer and stayed with him throughout his life. So he did some training in China and then I think came over to a big American university like Columbia and studied classical music. Um, T, Amir of the Soul, was composed under a commission um, from a Tokyo venue and it premiered in 2002 and since then has traveled around the world. Um, And I just this afternoon talked to Tom Wright, the director of artistic planning at Vancouver Opera, and we had a nice talk and I was like interested to find out about all the business end of opera because I never knew that you go as an audience member and you sit there and it's magical and wonderful but so much goes on behind the scenes apparently so we talked a little bit about that so here is Tom Wright and my interview with him today about a month after I started at Vancouver Opera uh, my boss sent me down to Santa Fe uh, to see the Santa Fe opera production of Tea, A Mirror of Soul. And um, as soon as uh, the opera was over, I went to my colleague, head of production at Santa Fe Opera, and asked if they were keeping the production when they were done with it. And he said uh, they were, had planned on throwing it out. So I offered to take it off his hands. Uh, I purchased it for a, a very good price. And uh, we brought it up here. Now, that was six years ago. That's how long it's taken to find the right mix of a season to put it into. 
Um, but one good thing is, is that I was able to rent it to Opera Company of Philadelphia two years ago. Oh, wow. I didn't know operas are like commodities. Like you could buy and sell them. I just thought they were free. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, in producing opera, we quite often rent productions from some of the bigger companies or some of the companies that have the facilities to make operas. Uh, in the last oh, four years, co-productions have really taken off because obviously the economy has hurt the uh, production of opera. Opera is being the most expensive in the performing arts to produce just because of the scale for the most part. But um, we, were, we were lucky to be able to get this production. Uh, I grew up in North Vancouver but had not worked in Vancouver for 22 years. So I had just started at Vancouver Opera, and when I saw this production, I just went, "Oh wow, this this is Vancouver. This is this is what Vancouver has become mm -hmm. in, in 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 with regards to the demographics now of Vancouver, being mm, I guess around sixty percent, fifty five percent Asian." Yeah, yeah. So and, go on. And, and and this is you know the story of a Japanese prince who falls in love with a Chinese princess. Uh, so it's. It's perfect if we can get uh, a new audience to come and see it. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're trying to attract people from Vancouver of Asian heritage that might be interested, you mean? Exactly. That might be interested. Uh, we have two Chinese uh, singers, two, two singers from Beijing starring in this production. Um, you know, when we produce a standard opera like the Barber Seville or La Boheme or Carmen, um, we have we we know we're going to do quite well with that with those popular operas. Um, but when we do something that's a little different, a modern opera, we're always trying to find as many angles as possible to market it to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like what I've heard of the music, it's very exquisite. It seems like something that will stand the test of time. Is that your impression when you saw it in Santa Fe? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Ken Dunn has done uh, quite an amazing job of, of orchestrating something that's quite different but still accessible. Uh, it's not modern, atonal uh, music that you, that you listen to and go, oh, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's beautifully crafted. Um, and... He does some different things with his orchestration. He he has uh, basically three acts in this opera, and each act represents um, uh, one of the elements. So we have water, uh, we have paper, and we have ceramics. And so, for instance, in the first act is all about water, and we have three onstage percussionists. Uh, that are part of the show and were part of the show in Santa Fe and also part of the show in Philadelphia. And they play water bowls, they play water phones, they play paper screens, they play paper, they play water shakers, water gongs, water padding drums, they play ceramic bells. And then in the orchestra pit, the other three percussionists who are members of the Vancouver Opera Orchestra, they play a wide variety of different types of percussion instruments. And then the rest of the musicians, at certain points throughout the score, play paper 
or sometimes they chant or they hiss. Uh, so it it's um, it's been exciting to watch our our musicians, especially our violinists, who are you know usually playing their violin, but actually at some points they're flipping their pages back in unison as part of the or- orchestration of the piece. Oh, that's interesting. How do you how do you like amplify the sound of paper or water bowls? Well, the three on stage percussionists do most of their work in uh, as part of the design. Three, as uh, I'll call them, aquariums. They're plexiglass um, step outs from the side of the set uh, where their water bowls and their water shakers are, and those have microphones close to them to pick up the sounds, especially of the water, because the the quiet dripping of water is really quite beautiful but of course in the queen elizabeth theater it needs to be amplified mm-hmm. um, they also have wireless mics on them uh, when they're playing other instruments right so it'll pick and, up and also one one other instrument in the orchestra the bass flute is also amplified the bass flute is an instrument that's not used a lot in classical music but in this production it has to be amplified. It re- represents the soul, and it's it's a really beautiful instrument. And but it requires so much breath production to sustain a tone that it has to be amplified. So that's what we've been working on the last couple of nights is in our balance sessions with the orchestra and the theater. So how are the rehearsals going? Do you feel ready? Yeah, uh, we'll be well. We'll be one step closer tonight, and then dress rehearsal tomorrow. Um, we'll be we'll be just fine. We'll be ready for opening, no question about it. But there's a lot to do. Uh, we didn't load the set in until Sunday at one o'clock, um, and it was four trucks into the Queen Elizabeth Theater. So by Monday night, first night on stage, uh, where the director has one chance to take everything he's done in the rehearsal hall for three weeks and make it work. (laughs) It was a bit stressful, and a couple of technical components weren't quite ready. But last night's rehearsal took a big step. Uh, Tonight's rehearsal will take yet another big step, and then tomorrow night's dress rehearsal. Hopefully just enough things will go wrong to make it a perfect dress rehearsal. Oh, right, yes. So (laughs) So that opening night is great. Oh, I'm sure. Well, it sounds amazing. What are the costumes like? Costumes are stunning. The costumes, actually, we did not get as part of the production. Santa Fe wanted to retain them, but they agreed to rent them to me for a very, very good deal. Uh, they're all... Uh, the entire design team for this production is Japanese, uh, and in their own right, very, very prominent theatrical Japanese designers who are all now working on Broadway. Um, and the director... Amon Miyamoto, who we had hoped would redirect this for us, was not available because he's mounting a production on Broadway. So his one of his assistants is here. Um, but the costumes are beautiful. The set is beautiful. The direction is stunning. And the singers in this production have either done this production or have done another production of the same opera uh, throughout the world. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. 
The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. UnionEvents.com and Nothing is Heavy present Gavella Talk with Black Tusk and Burning Gnats on Sunday, May 5th at the Rickshaw Theater. Gavella Talk has unveiled details of a major North American tour that celebrates the Norwegian rock band's hugely anticipated Roadrunner Records debut, Mjær. Get your tickets now at unionevents.com, ticketfly.com, Zulu, and Scrape Records. Hi, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. This is the Arts Report. I'm Sarah Lapsley. That was an interview with Tom Wright, the Director of Planning at Vancouver Opera. And we were talking about Tan Dunn's opera T, A Mirror of Soul. Now, I hope it wasn't quiet, um, but it was uh, interesting to talk to him, and it looks like a fantastic opera. Um, And it is apparently highly theatrical, visually stunning, as opera should be, and even better, charged with eroticism, ritual, and poetry. So I'm heading May 4th to the opening. Really excited about that. The opera is running May 4th, 7th, 9th, and 11th at the Queen E Theatre. And you can find out more at vancouveropera.ca. And he spoke also about they're hosting this conference, like a worldwide opera conference, where they're going to have delegates from, you know, uh, 400 delegates from different countries. So um, we'll be hosting that. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Um, and so I hope they have a good time. It's going to be a busy time for people at Vancouver Opera. But I was just going to play a selection um, for you from the opera. And it's the aria, The Death of Lan. She's the princess. So I will play that now.
Okay, she dies there. Spoiler. Um, that is Ten Den's um, aria from his opera T, A Mirror of Soul, The Death of Lan. She's the princess. So go see Vancouver Opera. This is going to be a spectacular performance. So here's a couple of announcements of things coming up. Um, Real Wheels. It's a Vancouver-based professional theater company um, that deepens our understanding of people who live with disabilities and what that experience is like. So they're putting on a performance called Wheel Voices to the Max, and it's being held at the Bluesen Spinal Cord Center, a research facility for spinal cord injuries. Um, so there's only going to be one performance, May 11th at 8 p.m. The address is 818 West 10th Avenue. I believe that's in the uh, Vancouver General Hospital area. So it's a multimedia theatrical presentation created and performed by a team of people, um, I presume with spinal cord injuries. So there'll be monologues combined with music and wheelchair-based movement. And I guess they're performing in sort of a tiered atrium where they'll be running around on the ramps um, and having storytellers and images and hoping to challenge audience preconceptions of what it's like to live with a disability. Um, so that sounds really interesting. It's free. So definitely check that out. Another interesting event that came across to me is Vancouver New Music, and they're presenting two free spring sound walks. So what these are are opportunities for people to go on these walks together through different landscapes and listen to the sounds that are there. So the first one is called Listening to the Periphery. It's at Kitsilano Point, Sunday, May 5th, between 2 and 3 p.m., and it's led by Jessica Hallenbach and some of her colleagues. Chestnut Street at White Street meet there at 2 o'clock. And so it will lead listeners around Kitsilano Point. So they're invited to reflect on the act of listening to the Coast Salish Territory um, and what goes unnoticed, silences, list. I don't know. Anyways... It'll be an interesting live experience. The second sound walk is World Sound Music and Noise, Sunday, May 12th, between 2 and 3 p.m., uh, 3.30, led by Elisa Ferrari and her colleagues. So meet at the Waterfall Building, 1540 West 2nd Avenue, uh, near Granville Island. So um, you'll be walking around on Granville Island, see its nooks and crannies, open spaces and indoor places encountering sounds music language and noises of the world around us so um yeah we'd often go around and we hear stuff if you're lucky um but we don't often mindfully pay attention to what's there so it sounds interesting happens rain or shine wear appropriate footwear and clothing um and so yeah no you'll have to i guess google it vancouver new music if you want to find out more information um, beyond what I've told you. So what's up next? I think I'm going to talk about DOXA. DOXA Documentary Film Festival starts May 3rd. We've got 74 screenings in five venues um, and lots of opportunity to listen to panels and meet the directors and so on um, so we've been covering that on the arts report last week I think we did a review or two this week and then next week probably as well so I've looked at the schedule it's there's so much good stuff basically everything sounds interesting and worth seeing so I had the privilege of looking at um, the movie fight like soldiers die like children so it's based on the recent book by Romeo Dallaire um, and it's quite a riveting film now 
I love Romeo Dallaire. Do you know him? Because you should know him. Um, he's a senator, Canadian senator. He was a former general in the Canadian forces. And he became uh, famous, really his whole like life-changing um, event happened when he was sent to Rwanda to deal with the situation there in 1993-94. So he was sent as part of a UN peacekeeping force and they were to oversee um, this peace treaty between the Tutsis and the Hutus. Um, and unfortunately, he could see it starting to disintegrate into the genocide that it eventually became. Um, and he had a terrible time over there. He had only had a small amount of troops. He could see what was happening. Um, and he called for help to the international community and tirelessly advocated for more troops or, or for the ability to use more um, force, I guess, but like, you know, to seize weapons and so on. They, then they would say, no, you can't. It's not within the UN mandate and so on. So we really had to witness this whole genocide without being able to do much about it. And his book, Shake Hands with the Devil, is incredible. I could not put it down an amazing read and and every day they didn't know if they would make it through the end of the day sometimes they had no food or water um, they could barely like take care of their own camps or guard their own camps um, and so mil a two or one or two million people were brutally massacred by these roving militias um, so in the end he was like acted with so much integrity and strength he was credited with saving 32,000 lives. Um, but he came home uh, deeply traumatized. And it's almost like he's such a soulful person that he, he carries the trauma and the genocide for everyone. Um, and he came home with such se severe PTSD um, that he used to cut himself all over his body and just let the run, the blood run all over his body as a way of soothing himself. And he often talks about how his soul is like trapped or caught or has stayed in the hills of the Rwanda, these beautiful green hills. Um, he tried to kill himself. Um, but despite this, like he ended up becoming a Canadian senator and worked tirelessly um, to promote the mental health of veterans and then also take on the cause of child soldiers. And that's what this latest book, uh, Fight Like Soldiers, Die Like Children, is about in the movie. So in the film, Dallaire returns to the Congo to raise awareness about child soldiers. So right now the situation is um, like total unrest. So it's not in Rwanda, but around. And, you know, it's all these rivaling factions and tribes. So multiple militias that rove in bands attacking villages and they talk about like there's no 911 like if if people come to massacre your village that's it there's no help um, so they seize the boys as soldiers they seize young girls as quote bushwives or sex slaves um, and often they'll initiate them this horrific initiation by forcing them to kill their families and then th at that point there's no turning back for these children. They're completely broken. They end up sort of bonding, um, traumatic bonding, or what's that, Patty Hearst, Stockholm effect kind of bonding. Um, and then they end up being sort of pumped up on drugs and trained to use um, machine guns. And then they just sort of rampage from there. So some escape 
and the UN has set up stations where the children can go and be decommissioned sort of and receive some psychological treatment and food and medical care and so on. But it turns out there's a high recidivism rate. So, you know, they, they sort of get the children a bit more well and then they send them back to their villages where the unrest is still going on and about 25% return to life as child soldiers. Um, so it's just such a compelling film. It's not like a maudlin treatment of this issue. Like Romeo Dallaire, you know, really takes us through the journey and he is so, like he suffers so much um, yet he's totally dedicated to this cause. He knows he won't make final progress towards eradicating child soldiers in his lifetime. Um, but one thing that's interesting, and this was true in the Rwandan conflict as well, is they communicated through radio, um, whether it was the government to the people or the different militias to the people or rival radio stations and so on. Um, people didn't have TVs, but they had radios. So that's still going on. So there's this beautiful scene where Dallaire, um makes a plea over the radio so he um, made a tremendous impression on the people of the area. They have very much respect for them. For him, he's uh, very loved over there. So he comes on the radio and he makes this plea, like, child soldiers, please come into these stations to be cared for. And he talks to the militias and the peoples, like, find serenity and find peace. And um, it's really heart-wrenching. Um, but he's very strong, too. I mean, he's a soldier. He's a general. Um, and so he's very soft-spoken, but he shames the militia leaders that he talks to, saying, you're not men, you know, you sent children out to do your fighting. And then he shames us, the viewers, like, he's saying here in Canada, you know, we go, quote, ape shit over our children, right? We take them to classes, we feed them organic food, um, yet there's 250,000 children being exploited and murdered um, in Africa. And so he calls us out. But it's a, you know, it's a beautiful movie. And to just enter his world for a little while is an incredible privilege. I mean, there's some interesting characters like these shadowy figures. They're like UN guys that don't really have titles and you're not sure what they do. And they're kind of like, they look like kind of indie rock guys, but they're really kind of smart and shady and but they what part of what they do is they um negotiate with the militias and so on so they're interesting characters and then some of the scenes where the people um are happy and healed in some of the areas and they're singing and dancing and it's really joyful um there's an interesting article on Delaire in the globe and mail and um, anyway and he talks about he continues to struggle with ptsd he's on a load of psychiatric medication he can barely handle the suffering that he still feels um so check him out check out his two books check out this movie at doxa romeo Delaire is just like, you can't help but love him because of his integrity. He's a real class act, and a number of people have written songs to him. I wanted to play a song by the former Manic Street Pe Preacher's guitar player. I think he had a solo project. James Dean Hadfield, or Hatfield, um, from his album Great Western, he wrote a song, Run, Romeo, Run, about Dallaire, but I couldn't find it. The YouTube version wasn't really uh, good enough to play. But uh, here's a folk singer, I guess from out east. Her name is Clara Luft, and she wrote a song called Dallaire. Um, I don't like it quite as much as the uh, James Dean Hatfield one, but um, here it is. It's a nice folky song. 
Thank you. 
Okay, that was good. Thanks. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I just want to talk more about the Doxa Film Festival. Um, the Manor is one I really hope to see, but I wasn't able to get the preview. Um, it's set in Guelph, where I'm from. So I grew up in Guelph. Um, I had a beautiful Aunt Sadie and Uncle Johnny. They met in their 60s and were passionately in love until they died close together in their 90s. Um, and they had a cool apartment, and I believe this is the place across the street. It was a big street. was this manor, the manor. Um, and it's actually a strip club. Now, if I recall correctly, we knew there was something like unchristian about the place across the street. Um, and I guess that's true. So it's a strip club. Um, and if you go onto the manor's website, there's like mud wrestling, ladies night, you can rent it for your raunchy bachelor party. Um, but now they've made a documentary about it. So Shawnee Cohen is one of the sons, so it's owned by the dad and the, the two sons. Shawnee Cohen is a filmmaker, but he also manages his father's strip club, The Manor. So he's sort of been away, like making films and working, and now he's come back. Um, and it's sort of, I guess, this madcap reality type thing. So his tyrannical father brooks no contradiction and runs the place like a dictatorship. His older brother has big plans. They have all these sort of family dynamics. The mom has an eating disorder. Um, the father wants to turn part of the manor into a halfway house, which doesn't work. So it sounds like a really fun, um, interesting film. And he'll be there at the Doxa Shawnee Cohen talking about it. And it's May 4th at 6.45. Um, I'll be at the opera, but um, I'd like to see it. It sounds really good. The other one that's good um, that I looked at was The Circle, and it's about the CERN Observatory in Switzerland, so where the um, Large Hadron Collider is, the you know, where they recreate the Big Bang. So they, they it's a documentary about that and about the village above in the science world kind of underneath. Um, that's Tuesday, May 7th at 5.15. The closing film is Ryan White's film Good Old Frida, about the Beatles secretary when she was 17. She hung around the cavern and then she was taken on as their secretary for 11 years. Um, my friend says it's good. I also uh, looked at this one called Oxiana. It's about this town in Virginia where ever to Oxycontin. And, and it sounds really bleak. And there was another one, Eastman Pharmacy. Matt from the Australian show was to review it. Um, but work sort of got in the way. So, um, you know, it would be a familiar story to a lot of us, um, the problems in the downtown east side. And this specifically is about pharmacies and the methadone programs that they do. Um, obviously, it can be helpful to people coming off heroin or people with chronic pain, but it also gets abused by both the uh, pharmacies and the people that uh, get the methadone. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and you can check it all out at the Doxa festival.ca or their twitter handle is at doxa festival so you're listening to citr 101.9 fm a billion dollars on the ground all stretched out and uncurled would extend about four times around the circumference of the world Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Main Street area at Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, 
the Regional Assembly of Text, Temple of the Modern Girl Boutique, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or online at citr.ca. You gotta wait until I cook it. You gotta wait until I cook it. You gotta wait, wait, wait till I put it on your plate. You gotta wait until I cook it. Calling all foodies, don't miss Eat Vancouver Food and Cooking Festival taking place on Friday, May 24th, Saturday, May 25th, and Sunday, May 26th at BC Place Stadium, Vancouver, BC. For more festival details, visit eat-vancouver.com. Purchase your tickets online and save. Hi, we're back. I'm Sarah Lapsley on the Arts Report. So I wanted to tell you about another event. It's like everything's happening on May 4th. um, And I can't go to any of it because I'm going to the opera. Um, But this is the coolest event to go to in Vancouver on that day. So a suggested itinerary is see the new pornographers in the afternoon, maybe go see The Manor at the Documentary Film Festival, then see the Music Appreciation Society's event. Um, And I'm going to talk about that now. So it's called Revolution, and it's the SFU Goldcore Center for the Arts. So what is the Music Appreciation Society? So it's a make-believe secret society dedicated to public appreciation of music, and it's also to promote discussion about music in an art context. So they have often panel discussions and music performances, and they've done a number of things over the years. Um, But the event coming up is called Revolution, and the panel is Stan Douglas, Cecily Nicholson, Leif Hall, Donato Mancini, and Raymond Boyjoli. And it's May 4th, 7th to 9th. And so they talk about, um, you know, revolution, the theme of revolution in music and whatever that looks like. And the artists will each come in with some songs to play and their own take on it. Um, But I talked to Brady Cranfield and Kathy Slade. The Music Appreciation Society is their brainchild. They also have a musical project. Um, So... I talked to them, and first we started it with one of the projects they did in the past, which was this hilarious um, thing. Unfortunately, it didn't go, but they talk about it here. Now, did you do the debate where you had high school girls debate who was better, the Beatles or the Stones? People often think that we did, but that was actually a solo project of Brady's. Oh, good. Tell us a little bit about that, Brady. Well, I uh, approached the competitive debate team at Collingwood High School and uh, asked them to debate who is better, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles, and uh, everybody wanted to root for the the Beatles, (laughs) and the Beatles won, and there was this one young woman who was kind of like this incredible nerd who ruled the day and knew everything. And uh, she was awesome. It was, she was incredible. And but, on the Rolling Stones uh, side, there was a guy who did a backflip. Yeah. <laughs> that should have won it right there, the backflip. I thought so. You know, my feeling is that he had to perform a counter argument that the Beatles could never really ever express. <laughs> I think the backflip for the Beatles, as good as they may be, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, with the Music Appreciation Society, 
panel events. Like, what's your goal or what's your hope from getting these sort of dialogues to happen? Well, we love music, and we think that uh, talking about music is uh, kind of like a, a side door into all kinds of other conversations. And what starts out as maybe informal can quickly become uh, very personal or very political and, and broad. And so we, we like it for that reason. We think it's actually a kind of unique subject to talk about. And we like to juxtapose that type of conversation with um, the sometimes more guarded context of the art gallery. Right. You know, yeah. And uh, we think that there's fluidity there between the kinds of conversations that people have about the music that they like that could lead into the kinds of conversations that maybe they would have about the artworks that they would like or the subject matter that artworks can take on. Mm-hmm. And we also consider the project itself as an artwork. Right, like having this entity of the society. Yeah, this fake society. Fake <laughs> it's fake. Real fake society. Yeah. So tell me about what's happening May 4th. We were invited uh, by SFU to do a panel and... Um, it was actually Aaron Joe Hall who came up with the idea that we address revolution. That's right. In music. And, um, yeah, so we've invited um, Stan Douglas, um, Leaf Hall from the Myth, Donato Mancini, Cecily Nicholson. Is that all? That's five? That's and it. Raymond. Oh! Those two. <laughs> and Raymond Boisjolais. So to talk about the theme of revolution, how that's sort of treated yeah. in popular music? Yeah, and whatever it means to them. I mean, it could be um, a revolution within music itself. It could be um, the relation of music to actual revolution. It could be about spinning around in a circle. Right, but, okay. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, the... Uh, the the easy implication is that it's music that addresses politics, but, um, you know, revolution is kind of the basis of, the technical basis of, of music playback. Um, even still, sort of within the digital realm, this idea of, like, computations that go around. So there's there's a lot of latitude uh, for people to address, because although we, you know, obviously want to explore the, the political ramifications of, of music and uh, the way that music can be a conduit for that kind of expression. Uh, it's good to, you know, to open it up and see what other types of possible revolutions might be implicated in this situation. Although, you know, having it be on the fourth uh, leads us in a certain direction. How so? May Day. It's May Day? I thought May Day was May 1st. Is it May 4th? Sorry. The 4th of May? The fourth no, of think, May. I think it's the first of May. Isn't first it? of May. Oh, I'm sorry. So we're we're three days late. We're three days. <laughs> we were supposed to be on the first. So. We were born late. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking like an internal revolution as well. If you think of like a song or a band that impacts you emotionally, and sort exactly. of creates a change in your life. Um, and well, the fourth. I don't know. There seems to be a lot going on on the fourth. So maybe it's sort of a 
the day that May Day will be celebrated in Vancouver. <laughs> so what else will be happening? There'll be the the panel talk. Will there be music being played or a DJ or? Yeah, the format is um, uh, an, a panelist will discuss uh, a song that they've chosen and the reasons that they chose it or talk about it and however they see fit. And then we play the song and the audience listens to the song. Oh, great. And you don't know what to expect? Are they sort of, like, going to surprise you? Well, we don't know yet, but we'll know, um, we'll know before the before the 4th because we've got to organize our tech side of everything. Yeah. So, so you... they'll have to give us our, their songs or that. Um, so you two have sort of partnered for a while. Tell me how that started and, and what drew you together artistically. Actually, it was probably the Music Appreciation Society because it was first uh, just something that I was doing and then Kathy was on the very first panel and um, it's kind of like a natural fit and a good excuse to work together. And then that project led into us doing other artworks that also are uh, explore music too and it is kind of like one big continuum between the one project and the, and the other project mm-hmm. I'd say what, what's a subset of, of which I don't yeah, know. we work together making vinyl record projects that are sort of concept albums right and they're sort of artworks in themselves yeah, yeah. And, and then they're on Bandcamp as well yeah there's one Riots and one Sun Songs Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. I just put up the sun songs on my Facebook page because they're so beautiful. Waterloo Sunset made me cry. I la- I literally sat here and cried a little bit because it was so beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. It sounds like it's recorded like in an open space. It's probably it was, recorded it, in like a dozen places. It was recorded in the in the Charles Scott Gallery actually after hours. Some of it. Yeah. Some of the the sounds are in the my living room and some things are in the Charles Scott because I know we recorded there are these artists from Britain who are exhibiting in the gallery at the time and they had a fountain that's right and so we recorded the sound of their artwork and as part of it we recorded Johnny in his place yeah yeah so it's it's very much like a mixture of different acoustic spaces which is kind of part of the um, the goal with the project was to uh, combine real spaces with made-up made spaces. Mm-hmm. Actually, we recorded uh, the vocals uh, for one of the songs sitting in the car that we're sitting in right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're sitting in a car. Cool. So anything else coming up or that you have planned after the May Day event? Yeah, we're working uh, on a new record. Well, we're talking about it. We haven't actually started working on it, but we're sort of making our lists of what we want it to be like, and it'll be um, a record about the future. Our working title for it is The Future Was Wide Open. Wow. I like that. The future. <laughs> yeah, we gotta. We have no choice but to, to at least hope for the best with that one. Yeah. <laughs> we're back. 
yeah, I think there was a joke there that I took me a few minutes to get after about the future. I don't know, sometimes I can be slow. But that was the lovely Cranfield and Slade duo um, talking about the Music Appreciation Society's event Revolution coming up this May 4th, 7 to 9 p.m. Um, Cranfield and Slade also have a musical project as they were talking about. Um, and I want to play a song from that, The Beautiful Waterloo Sunset. Chili, chili, you see 
that was Cranfield and Slade doing The Kinks, Waterloo Sunset. This is Sarah. We're on the Arts Report, coming to the end. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM. Stay tuned after six because we'll be having a special arts project on. Um, but just a couple more announcements. I just started following the Rio Theater on Facebook, and it sounds like they have tons of great movies happening. One is next Wednesday, May 8th at 7 p.m., and it's called The Miami Connection, and I'm a big fan of Miami. So it's sort of this cult film. It was made by this guy, uh, Y.K. Kim, and he borrowed like a million dollars and took out loans, spent all of his savings to make this um, film about a synth rock band, Dragon Sound, who were five University of Florida students embarking on a crime-crushing justice in the streets of Orlando against groups of cocaine smugglers. So anyways, it kind of flopped completely beyond completely flopped. Um, but then this indie rock guy, Zach from Texas, sort of found it and revived it. And now it's become a cult hit, playing Wednesday, May 8th at 7 p.m. at the Rio. Speaking of Miami, I'm going there next month. Um, and there's an event... Um, my research team we look at bipolar disorder um, and an event it's a free screening for mental health week of a film called The Maze and it's about the famous Canadian painter William Kirilek Uh, he's a surrealistic painter Um, and so it's a documentary about his life and he had a lot of struggles with suicide and spiritual crisis so it's Tuesday May 7th at 7 p.m. Um, at the Ralph Fisher Auditorium at the Richmond Hospital. So it's a bit of a trek out to 7,000 Westminster Highway. Um, But you can um, see it on the Crest uh, website. That's www.crestbd.ca. And Dr. Aaron Mihalik, who's the head of our research team, will be doing sort of a discussion afterwards. Um, So that's worth seeing. I'll be there for sure. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about Safar, a voyage. Um, that's the show that just opened up at the Museum of Anthropology. There's been just an insane amount of hype around the show. And I went to the opening, it was like the poshest opening I've ever been to. And I happened to arrive just when they were laying out the food of like smoked salmon and grilled vegetables and um, just like a lot of money at that opening. And so I'm not going to talk about it because the show's on till the end of September um, and every major media outlet has done something on it. I've got a lot to say, but I want to see the show again. And um, there's a series of lectures and performances and events that's happening now through the summer. So do check out moa.ubc.ca um, to find out more about that. Um, One of the events coming up is Thursday, May 2nd. There's a garden tour at the Van Dusen Gardens um, about Persian gardens. There's a performance coming up May 16th from one of Canada's leading classical Persian music ensembles. Um, And so the website has all this stuff listed. uh, Really worth seeing. So that's too bad I didn't get to that, but that's my own fault. I can't even be totally sure that there was not like no talking for like 20 minutes of this like coming on the air but this is a student radio station and I am a student grateful for the opportunity to be here learning on my feet um but just to wrap up with the um Safar Voyage art show it's a 
about Middle Eastern contemporary art. So I thought I'd play this song by local artist Lovers Love Haters. That's Deb Cohen, formerly of The Organ. And she did a great cover of Arabian Nights. And and so this is a live version. Uh, I was playing keyboards. We did it at the Media uh, Club. Must have been about July 2011. So here's a cover of Susie and the Banshees' Arabian Nights. Thank you for joining me, Sarah Lapsley, on the Arts Report, CITR 101.9 FM. Megan Thomas will be back next Wednesday between 5 and 6 p.m. And I'll be back on May 15th for another hour. So thank you so much. Um, stay tuned for the Arts Project next. Better think I lose my mind Cause I 
Australia and Canada are both countries with a whole lot of space to create some of the wildest sounds on the planet. Join your host Matthew as he explores the musical heritage of his native Australia and features fresh sounds from Canada's independent music world. That's Stranded, the Australian-Canadian music show, live Fridays from 6 to 7.30pm on CITR 101.9 FM. Entirely a play in letters. trees in the hill. We saw them today. Dear Mrs. Steele, I like to ask you questions. Do you believe that it is necessary to worship individuality? We do. Mrs. Henry Waterson. Of course I have heard. Dear sir, of course I have heard. They didn't leave the book. Dear sir, they didn't leave the book. Yes, yes. I know what I hear. Yes, sir. Dear sir, I heard her hurrying. We all did. Good night, Isabel Furness. I like their names. Anthony Rosello. It's easy to name a street like that. It is. With a view With of trees and hills. With a view of trees and a hill. With a view of trees and a hill. and a hill. Yes, sir. Herbert. Dear Herbert. Come again. William. William Cook. Chapter 2 Dear Sir, a play! A great many people ask me in misery. Have, have they, they come? come? Dear friends, say what you have to say. Dear Whitehead and Paul and Wolfson and Thorne, why can't you accommodate yourselves and leave me 